Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. All right, so I, I guess the best place to get started is, I, I, I know you, you've been through a lot already in your career. Why don't you take us through your, your career path a little bit and how you got into what you're doing now uh, with horse racing? Sure. Uh, well, I always loved horses. I grew up in Connecticut. I grew up riding. I started riding in uh, in Avon when I was about eight. And I've always had a fascination with horses. At that time growing up, I was also dancing. I was doing a million other extracurricular activities. And dancing actually took over my life for most of when I was in high school and even after that, thinking that uh, I was going to become a professional ballerina. And when I had decided to not take that path, I kind of ended up going back to horses. And when I was 17, my family and I got our first X-race horse from Suffolk Downs in Massachusetts, which is no longer in operation, but it was racing at the time. And that was kind of the catalyst to saying, wow, there are actually a lot of horses when their racing days are done that need a place to go and need a new career. So I was 17 at the time. I decided I wanted to start a 501c3 organization for X-Race horses. So my parents encouraged me to do it the right way. I had some help, but it was a lot of paperwork I had to do. Um, and so I ended up starting racing for home, which I still have. And we've grown a lot since then, of course. And that was kind of what made me first pay attention to horse racing. So I started to teach myself how to read the racing form and, and to handicap races and to analyze just because I wanted to know where these horses were coming from. And because of that, I ended up kind of getting swept up into the world of racing. And here I am. So talk a little bit about what you're doing now in your role at, at Gulfstream, uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis uh, at the racetrack. Uh, So I am what's called an on-air handicapper and analyst. So basically, I try to pick winners. I do four picks for each race per day. So for instance, today's Friday, we have 10 races. So I will go through the whole racing card for the day. I will watch replays of the horse's last race. I will look at pedigree notes. I'll just try to basically find any angles that I feel like may play into that horse having some success. I'm also the paddock analyst. So what that means is that I will be out in the center amongst the horses when they're being saddled, when they're being warmed up before the race. And I take pretty extensive notes on every horse that I see on my iPad. So every time one will run back, I'll have notes on that horse. So I'll be able to kind of, my hope is and what I think my job really is, is trying to give people information that they can't find on paper. Horse racing is a little bit different in some of the other sports where there are a lot of statistics and there's a lot of information out there. Sometimes it's not as easily accessible. So I feel like my job is giving fans and, and betters an opportunity to get some of that information and hopefully make use of it. It seems like a lot of preparation goes into each day at the track. How long uh, are you spending in prepping for each day there? Definitely a couple hours beforehand. Um, Some racing days are not easier, but sometimes you can do them a little bit quicker than others. For instance, you'll have a race where you've seen all those horses before. It's not going to be as high a level as something like the Kentucky Derby or something like that, per se. And then some days you have just these monster days where it's just really competitive. It's it's very quality filled. It's the highest level. And that's harder because 
those horses are all good at that level. Um, so it, it takes me a couple hours. I probably take a little bit longer than some of my peers, but I'm, I'm a very visual learner. So I like to like I said, watch a lot of replays and find any notes that I may be able to have. I watch as many workouts as are available too. So I try to take advantage of all of those kinds of things. So it is a lot of prep for me. Um, so that's why I said, hopefully I'm able to give some people some help. Maybe they're just coming in to the racetrack for the day and uh, hopefully can give them some useful information. But um, it's a uh, it's rewarding when you're right, but this unfortunately is a game where you're wrong way more often than you're right. <laughs> I, I, I was just going to say, g- giving out picks has to be really tough because I'm, I'm sure there are some days where you don't want to check your mentions after the races uh, for, for the day. How do you handle, you know, being in, in a position where you are giving out picks where th- there is a lot of criticism that comes with that? There is sometimes social media is the best and sometimes it's the absolute worst. And I I think that goes for a lot of things though. So um, at first, when I first got into my current position, it was really tough because I took everything really, really personally. And then finally I had to just kind of learn and I'm still learning. I will admit sometimes I get a little bit sassy back and I try not to, but, um, but you, you have to just let it roll off your back because the fact of the matter is that you can't please everybody. Like I said, even whether you're a trainer, a jockey, an analyst, whatever it is, if you're winning at like 20, 30%, you're doing phenomenally well. So that just goes to show that you're losing 70% of the time. So um, I, I think that old saying, you're only as good as your last pick, that really does hold true. So if you have a bad couple of days, but then you come up with a big long shot that wins, everybody loves you then. So, um, but I think it's just a matter of working hard, always do your homework. That was the biggest advice that I got when I first started working in racing. And I've really uh, taken that to heart because I do think it's very important. I wouldn't want to give anything to anybody that's watching our show that I didn't feel confident and feel like I put um, a lot of effort into producing. Yeah. So one, one thing that uh, I, I've always been curious about, and I, I see that, that Gulfstream does a good job at putting stuff out on YouTube and in social media. How do you think a horse racing can become a sport that, that's more attractive to a younger crowd? Well, I think social media is definitely a good tool for that. Um, That's something that I've actually worked really hard on as well. And one thing that I think we we need to tap into a little bit more in horse racing, and we've started to do a bit more of that. Um, On top of being an honor handicapper at Gulfstream, I'm also one of the main producers. So I put together a lot of the content. I put together the schedules that go out, particularly on big days. Like, um, And I work for a a parent company called the Stronic Group, which also owns racetrack in Maryland and call and California. So I also um, produce the Preakness Stakes, which is the second leg of the Triple Crown. And for big things like that, I think we, we really need to, and, and I've tried to tap in more to those stories, the human and the equine side of things, because that's kind of what people can relate to. If you're not a hardcore better, you're not going to be, you know, um, coming to the track just to get your tickets and wager, which is fun and everything as well. But there's also so many great stories that are associated with the game. So I think that that's something that's really important to do a bit more of. Um, So I'm proud of what we've been able to do there. I also think it's an information side. As I mentioned, some sports, like if you look at uh, football, you can go online and you can find stats for every player. So I think we should be able to 
give some more information like that about horse racing so that people can use that information to make their own educated decisions. And that's the fun thing about it. It's not like pulling a slot machine. You can actually put a little bit of work into it. And once you're able to read the information and, and you feel like you're making a decision, making a gamble that you actually have some confidence behind. Yeah. And think another area, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on, on the opportunity that horse racing has now being one of the only sports that, that you can follow right now that that's actually participating. So from one end, you know, do you, do you think that's a good way to get people into the sport? And then on the other end, what's it like being at a racetrack without fans? Because I, I feel like a big part of the horse racing experience is being at the track on that day and getting to spend the day there. It is. I, we had the Florida Derby at the end of March, which is a major prep race for the Kentucky Derby. And having that without fans was so strange. It really was. I think now, like anything, people have kind of adapted to it. So it's weird not having people here, but you've got the same crew as always um, that you're used to seeing coming to the track, those essential employees that have to be there with, um, with the horse. And everybody has our masks on we do social distancing and and we just kind of make the best of it so it is very strange but you understand the reason behind it actually Gulfstream just announced that um, over the next few weeks they're going to start phasing in to allow people back beginning with owners licensed owners so that's exciting to see that starting to to open back up a little bit because these are the people that pay the bills and spend so much money on these horses and they haven't been able to come and watch them <laughs> so so I'm happy for that. But um, uh, and and as far as just kind of what it's been like being here, um, it's uh, it's been something to adapt to for sure. I, I know that we have actually had here at Gulfstream a tremendous uh, increase in people that have been wagering from home. In fact, the off track handle the overall wagering has always been more than what's done on track. But now that people are at home and have access to uh, betting apps on their phones and things like that, the response has been major and there have been a lot of views on our shows, which is exciting. Um, I, I think that we have seen an audience grow because it has been the only track. What I've seen more than new fans per se is new fans from other countries that have been watching Gulfstream. So I've done a podcast in England. I was a guest on a TV show through Skype in New Zealand. I did a, a, a blog interview in South Africa. So I thought that was really cool. People that haven't been watching American racing have been now because that's been the only game in town. I've seen some increase in people who are new to watching horse racing in general, but I would say that I feel like that's still something we could improve on. Absolutely. I want to follow up on, on something you mentioned earlier, and that was talking about how you like to get into the, the story aspect on, on whether that's the people or the, the, the horse factor there. Do you have a favorite story right. or two that, that you've done uh, in your career that, that you like to share? 
Sure. I have a couple that I've really, really loved. Uh, one thing that I feel very passionately about, obviously, is working with horses when their racing days are done. So I've worked with a couple of different programs that are great at adopting horses out and finding them their new career after their racing days. And one of those is a vocational program. There are a couple of locations throughout the U.S., but I, I did a story on one in Ocala, Florida, which is at a women's prison at a correctional facility. And it's a vocational program where female inmates who they only take a a couple dozen each year who have good behavior, who have shown a desire, they work, they get to work hands-on with this group of horses there at the facility. And a a, um, a necessary element of that program is that when they're done, they need to have a job when they're able to leave prison. And this program gives these women who maybe didn't have a lot, and a lot of these are, are women who have hurt themselves, whether it was, was drug abuse or, or a bad relationship where they got into a bad situation. And they're looking for a second chance. So it's a second chance for the horse who was done racing or was done with whatever his previous career was. And it's a second chance for the inmate who gets skills and gets an opportunity to start her life over because it's not necessarily that these are bad people. Yes, they've done some bad things, but that the gratitude I saw from them and having the opportunity to go back into society and have another chance to start their life over is really amazing. And the recidivism rate is so low with programs like that and that these women don't end up back in the prison, which is tremendous for our prison system as well as for their own lives and just the betterment of society. So that's definitely one of my favorite stories I I got to work on. And um, there's so many others, but that one really, really stands out to me. That's a really cool story and, and great to hear how uh, how the horse has been able to, to help uh, in that aspect there. Um, what are your thoughts? I'm curious, uh, are, are you excited for this newer Triple Crown schedule this year? And and, and, and at least it's on, on the calendar now and looks like we should have these races going off. It is. That's one thing I'm happy about. That's kind of been the frustrating thing is not being able to plan and work backwards. So I'm glad for that. I'm really, really happy that we are able to plan and Belmont Stakes will be first, which is clearly different. Usually that's the third leg of the series. And it's going to also be at a shorter distance this year, which I do think makes sense because we clearly have a a different schedule altogether. So horses haven't had an opportunity to have as many preps to go the traditional longer Belmont distance. So I think it'll be kind of fun. I know that there will be like a little asterisk next to it, but at the end of the day, it's still a triple crown. These are still elite races. And who knows, maybe it will set a precedent to say, maybe we do need to look at how our triple crown is currently set up. Maybe there are some changes and some positives we can take away from this. So I, I think it, I think it will be interesting, but I'm glad that we still are going to have all three races at some time this year. From getting to be around the sport, it's such a close level interacting with the jockeys, with the, with the trainers, with the owners. I personally think that, that pulling off a triple crown uh, victory is one of the toughest things in all of sports. How tough is it, uh, from, from at least from your perspective, from getting to interact with these people so frequently? I think probably the biggest example of it is that we've gotten so close, but from 
1978, I think it was, to American Pharaoh in 2015, there was no Triple Crown winner in that span. And so to see how special it was that it was done and then that it was done with Justify just a couple years later, it's a tremendous feat. Not only is it the, the test of the three races, but it's the test of how close they are together, of the different distances. You never know what the weather's going to throw at you. And there's just so many different factors. But I think every sport needs something like that. I mean, it's like our Super Bowl. Each race individually is special and has a lot of weight. But to do all three is just really tremendous. And I was at Belmont when American Pharaoh won the Belmont Stakes and won the Triple Crown. And absolutely nothing will compare to what that was like with the crowd and the cheering and the singing. It was just an unbelievable experience. It's really, really special. Um, I'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, We'll take Gulfstream (laughs) out of the uh, equation here because that's cheating. But do you have a favorite track (laughs) outside of Gulfstream that that you've been to that, that you like? I would say Saratoga for sure in upstate New York. Um, I joined I joined the New York team last year for the first time and got to cover Saratoga working with them on Fox Sports on the Saratoga Live show at America's Day at the Races. And um, New York has been on hold because of coronavirus, but I'm excited. They'll be opening back up on June 3rd at Belmont and then getting ready to head to Saratoga in July. So I'm looking forward to joining that team again this summer. And there's really a lot of special things about about Saratoga. It's, it's a great place to go if you're a racing fan. That's great. Yeah, I, I went up to Saratoga for the first time last year and, and had a lot of fun there and de- definitely recommend it. Um, before I let you go, if, if anyone wants to uh, you know, stay up to date on, on you, g- give you a follow, g- give your organization a follow, uh, where can they uh, find you? I'm Acacia underscore Courtney on Twitter. It's A-C-A-C-I-A. And uh, my organization is Racing for Home. You'll find the link there on my own Twitter page. And we're racingforhomeinc.com, F-O-R, spell it out. And we're a 501c3 nonprofit. It's all for the horses. And I'm here at Gulfstream for the rest of this week. And then I'll head back up to New York. But if if we're able to open the tracks up in the future, please, anybody, it's at the racetrack come on over say hi if you have questions be more than happy to talk some horses with anybody it's great thanks so much for coming on really appreciate the time sure absolutely thanks for listening to the connecticut scoreboard podcast with jared cutler if you like the show and want to know more check out the podcast on twitter at ct scoreboard pod the host at jared cutler and find us on facebook at the connecticut scoreboard podcast Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.